good morning, good afternoon, whatever time of day it is that you are listening. Thank you for listening. Um, you are listening to the Bun and Cardigan Show, and it is just the cardigan today. James Edwards, Pistons beat writer for The Athletic. Uh, the Bun, who is now bald, so we uh, it's just a dumb podcast name at this point. Um, he is busy this weekend, um, as you can tell, as you're listening to this on, on Valentine's Day, uh, February 14th. He, he he had prior obligations, so um, I I got my Valentine's Day in on Friday, um, and I'm flying out to D.C. on Sunday. It's Super Bowl Sunday, so today is Saturday, the day that I'm recording this, the day after the Pistons lost to the Charlotte Hornets. Um, I asked you guys to send in some questions. I'm going to try to get to as many as I can um, over the next 30 minutes. There were a bunch of them, and thank you guys, as always, for the support. And thank you guys for 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 being you and and being such great and loyal listeners to the show. Uh, we wouldn't be here without you guys. Now, I also want to say Happy Valentine's Day to everybody out there listening. If you're if you're celebrating with someone, make sure you uh, make sure you do something nice. And if you're if you're celebrating with me and my my soothing voices, my soothing voice, I'll do multiple voices throughout this show. Um, if you're if you're celebrating with me, Happy Valentine's Day. I'm here for you. Um, let's see, is there any other housekeeping things? Oh, we are now, if you missed the the tweet that we sent out or you missed the last show, we are now on the athletic app. You can listen to the Bun and Cardigan on the athletic app. If you are a subscriber and you like everything in one place, you just go to the listen tab at the bottom, look up the Bun and Cardigan show, hit follow, and it'll show up in your feed. If you're not yet a subscriber to the athletic, I recommend doing so, of course, uh, there's always a deal. You can go to any story on my Twitter page, and I'm sure you click on the link, and there will be some type of deal. Um, and you can also listen to the podcast there as well as as get my written content. Um, let's see. We will still be on Apple and Spotify. Everything will be the same. Am I missing anything else? I think that's it. So thank you guys again for all the support over the, the last year. Um, we're now over a year since we started the pod, and we would not – one be continuing to do this if it wasn't for your guys' support and we wouldn't have we wouldn't be able to have the traction that we've had if it wasn't for you guys. So um yes, the biggest podcast in Colombia and a few other small countries now. So thank you. That's all to you guys. Um let's get let's get let's just get into the mailbag. We have we have close to uh a hundred questions. So I'm gonna try I'm gonna try my best to get as many done. I'm gonna try to cram as many as I as I can in thirty minutes. Pause. All right. First one from Ty Windish. Shout out to Ty. Hope you're doing well. Um, his question is, seems like some outlets are already looking to the summer and assuming Jeremy Grant is traded then. But what are the chances he just doesn't get traded and either plays out his contract or resigns in Detroit? Good question, Ty. Um, I think there is a possibility. As I've reported um, multiple times now, I think the draft is going to dictate a lot of what Detroit does. Um, if they end up picking one through three, as you guys know, the, the top three right now, as it stands, um, are Paolo, Jabari, and Chet, all of which are big men, uh, two of which are more uh, classified for as Chet, possibly a five. Um, so I think that could dictate a lot, and I think that's part of the reason why Detroit is is waiting to really capitalize on a grant offer or a grant proposal. Uh, but I also think that there is a possibility. I mean, at the end of the day, this is Detroit. It's not the easiest place to get free agents. 
Jeremy Grant, I know some people are turning on him already, um, is a good NBA player. And so, the, I mean, there's a possibility the Pistons end up pick four or five. They end up picking a guard or a wing. And you have, say, insert guard, wing, Cade, Sadiq, Jeremy, and Isaiah. Like, uh, so they just have to make sure that they have all avenues still open to roster building. And, and like I've said before, I don't think there was an issue with with waiting to trade Jeremy if that is indeed the route that he, that they do take. Um, there was no rush at all whatsoever. He has another year left after this season. Uh, teams know what Jeremy is. They know what he provides. They know what, how they want to use him. I don't think his value is going to get low because – or is going to be going to get lower because he's quote-unquote struggling as the, the top guy in Detroit. Like I think teams know what he is. Um, so I think there will always be offers there. So, yeah, I think there is a possibility that he does do a, he. There is a possibility he resigns. I would be surprised if it's for the max four years, one hundred and twelve million. Um, I'd be very surprised. But if maybe there's a situation where they agree to different terms and it makes sense for both sides, I definitely see that as a possibility. But right now, I would say my hunch is um, if they pick in the top three, I think it's more likely that that Grant is traded. Next question from Ed Chung. How many of the core four are really part of the core? Um, Good question. I would say two. I, I think Sadiq is for sure going to be on this team in the next two to three years. Well, I shouldn't say for sure. You never know what type of uh, opportunities come up in the trade market. But I would say Sadiq is the one that I, I think has proven to be a person – of interest for the organization for many years. I think Isaiah Stewart is someone that the organization wants to keep around, whether that's allowing him and him showing that he can develop into a legitimate NBA starter. And I think most people would agree that at the very least, he would be a more than serviceable um, sixth, seventh man coming off the bench in the front court. So uh, I think the verdict is still out on Killian Hayes. He's looked, he's looked a little bit better coming off the bench. Um, and I, obviously the verdict is still out on Saban Lee, who has lit it, lit it up in the G League um, and has looked really, really good. But in his opportunities in, with the main club, um, obviously given the circumstances with how he's used in comparison uh, to the G League and uh, all that stuff, he, he has not really had the uh, the breakout at, at the main level yet. So um, I think it's – I would say two, if I had to guess, two right now. Um, and I think that was always going to be the case. Next question from Richard Sunley. What do you think the Pistons' priorities will be in the offseason, particularly in terms of the type of players they would want to try and bring in? Um, assuming that, I mean, based on your question, assuming that they end up using the majority of the cap space this summer to, to try to turn a corner next year, which, as I've as you guys know, I've said before, like that, I wouldn't open and shut case on that. I think there's a world in which if things don't go as planned with some of the guys they want to get, uh, there's a world in which they, they sit on some of the cap space or do maybe more cap-friendly deals to have a lot of cap space in 2023 when there are a lot of free agents. Um, I, as you guys know, am in the, the camp of if they want to quote-unquote tank for another year after this one, I think it makes sense for the organization. I know as fans, that can be tough, so... I totally understand wanting to see the team turn a corner soon. Uh, but uh, as you guys know, I'm in the camp of building it slow, being patient. If you're not able to turn a significant corner, 
this offseason in a pretty weak free agency class. Uh, I, I don't think there is a negative in waiting another year after this year just to see what happens. Uh, but in terms of your question, what will the priorities be this offseason, if uh, we'll just use the example of they are trying to turn a corner and, and not just be a play-in team but a comfortable playoff team, um, I, I mean, getting good NBA players first and foremost. Uh, they, I think they have a couple good NBA players right now. They're all very young. Um, so getting guys who may be a little bit more seasoned, a little bit more proven to to piece around the edges, I think would be very important. I've mentioned Jalen Brunson on here before. I think that's a name that they go after hard. Um, Miles Bridges obviously could be of interest. So we'll see. Yeah, I, I think first and foremost it's getting good players uh, because this is a roster that I, off the top of my head, four or five guys that I think could possibly still be NBA role players four years from now. And outside of that, it's there's some questions. So uh, it was always going to be a situation with this roster that they were going to piece things together, try to stay afloat, uh, try to figure out who's worth keeping around around the time or, or who's worth keeping around for the time that they are ready to turn a corner. Um, I think obviously Cade is the centerpiece of that. Sadiq, again, has been shown that he's worth keeping around. I think Isaiah Stewart is a guy who they love and in some capacity is definitely worth keeping around. And I think Frank, you guys you, you guys know you need players like Frank at some point. Yes, you can find them elsewhere, but I think it shows it's a good it's a good person to point to when you're uh trying to sell a product. Hey, look what I found all these teams were not interested in this guy. We found this guy and developed him into an NBA role player. So I think there is value in that. Um, Hamadou, I, I think, has had a, a pretty solid year and is, is worth keeping around. I'm curious to see what um, his next deal looks like, whether from Detroit or if it's somewhere else. Um, yeah, and then after that, I think there are some questions. So we'll, we'll, we'll see, but I do think if the opportunity presents itself and the Pistons are able to add a legitimate NBA starter, like I said, a Jalen Brunson, a Miles Bridges, I think they, they do it. But, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see. I, I think there is a, a world in which they wait till 2023. Um, but you never know when they haven't made significant progress in the win-loss column this year. Maybe maybe you get a little antsy and, and try to at least make sure that you're better than you were the previous two years. But – I do think patience is still the the word of, on the board in Detroit, and again, you can't expect fans to understand that, and you can't expect fans to want to go through that. Some fans, of course, obviously do and get it, and either I understand both sides of the of the table, but um, Detroit and and Troy and his staff have a plan, and that plan is still running to plan. Um, it's still on pace, so I'd be very curious to see what this summer looks like. I think it's going to be either. I think this summer is going to be hot or cold. It's either going to be very busy, there's going to be a lot of change, or there's going to be very minimal. Um, I don't think there's going to be in between, but we'll see. Next, que next question from Nick Nice, 21. I'm well aware the Pistons can and will use some of their cap space by means of trade, but please tell me, James, that Troy Weaver is not under the illusion that free agents are eager to take Detroit's money. He does realize he's not working living in a free agent destination. Um... Good question. I will say this. Players are going to go where the money is. 
so if Detroit is one of few teams that has the cap space to pay a big name, um, I, I wouldn't rule that out. I also think part of why Troy was brought in, aside from his evaluation of talent, um, good relationships around the league. A lot of players respect Troy. A lot of players like Troy. Um, I'm at the arena every day. I see former players talking to Troy, catching up with him. They, there are a lot of big names that really, really like Troy and go out of their way to, to have conversations with him. So I think that's super important and something to keep in mind. I also think that that saying free agents are eager, of course, maybe they're not eager to take Detroit's money, but if you look at the last few years, I mean, between Troy and Arntellum, there are a lot of connections there. Uh, Derek Rose, are you, there, he had other offers than Detroit. He chose Detroit. Jeremy Grant turned down the same money from Denver – and money that he could have got from other teams that are in better situations that are a little bit warmer to, to choose Detroit. So I think one thing that goes without – that kind of gets missed is the relationships. And Troy has been doing this for a long time. Troy knows a lot of players he's brought in when he was in OKC. I mean, some of the top players this game has seen in the last decade have come through Troy. Uh, obviously, we know about Russ, James Harden. Uh, KD, but I think people forget about the likes of Demontis Sabonis. Troy drafted him. Uh, he brought in the likes of Victor Oladipo. He was there to help bring in Paul George to OKC. Uh, there's a lot of people that know Troy, like Troy, respect Troy, and uh, believe in his vision. So I, I wouldn't rule that out. Like I know naturally people say it's Detroit. Why would anybody go to Detroit? Well, if the team has a lot of money, the player believes in the 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 front office and where it's going um and there's something and there's a foundation already set a la Cade a la Sadiq Bey uh I would just wouldn't rule it out I wouldn't rule it out at all next question based Pistons how do the players take care how do the Pistons take care of the players mental health I would love a discussion about the sports psychiatry and various therapies that occur behind the scenes to help develop our guys I heard they do sometime I heard they do some mindful exercises as a team I can't read would love to hear more um so all I can say is that they do have a team psychiatrist uh I, I don't even know if I can say his name but I have inquired about doing a story but as you guys would I mean that stuff's pretty private like I don't even know if there's a what is it it's like attorney client privilege privilege it's doctor patient privilege like I don't even they can't obviously talk about what they talk about with the players. Uh, that's personal information. So, of course, when I presented the story idea, I didn't even think about that. Like, of course, you can't sit here and talk about what you talk about with, with players. And that's none of our business. But also, even flirting with that type of idea. It's just it's people's personal lives, their mental health. Um, yes, yeah, so they do have a team psychiatrist. Very nice gentleman. He follows a team on the road as well. He's at every game, every practice. Um, so, yes, they 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 do prioritize that. I don't know about other teams, but I know the Pistons do prioritize that. Uh, favorite beats off donuts from REW Music. How are you doing, REW? My favorite beat is, is MASH. I know it's probably everybody's favorite, but the dude who sounds like Obama up top and then the piano is just so fire. Shout out to Rest in Peace Jay Dilla's birthday just passed. Um, and REW Music, thank you for uh, the question and the support. From Corncat2020, 
Do you think Killian needs G League reps? I acknowledge that he's been better off the bench, but the fact that he's never had reps there to help confidence and development has been mind-boggling to me. Good question. Um, could it help? Yes. I think a lot of Killian's struggles are athletic-driven. Uh, I don't think he has necessarily the foot speed to to beat guys off the dribble. I also am not sure that he has uh the experience playing against the type of size that he faces every single day so i i think the best way to get that is continuing to play in the nba even if it's a bit of a an up and down uh trek at times but i get what you're saying yeah like maybe this is a guy that is lacking confidence and just going to the g league and maybe putting up a performance like saban did or does uh could could change some things but i also think I've always just had the approach, even in my personal life, like just kind of go, go all in, dip your toes in, put your legs in the water, just go for it. I think the best experience is against the best, uh, sink or swim. I think there are opportunities for him to, and I think they're easing him in. Like obviously they've recognized that right now at this point in time, and Dwayne said it, it might not be forever, that that starting is not the best use of him or getting the best out of him. And they're moving, moved him to the bench where he plays against, not the cream of the crop in the NBA as regularly. Of course, he closes games, so he does go against the best players in the league at the end of games. But um, in the middle parts of the games, he's going against other teams' bench. He's had better games. Um, so I think you're seeing a little bit of confidence just with that alone. So he's being more aggressive in getting to the hole, um, in shooting his shot, whether it's the mid-range, whether it's the threes, his field goal attempts are up. So... Yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying. I definitely think there is a confidence um, factor that that the G League does help. But at this point, I I think you're kind of so deep into the the situation where it's like, all right, let's find a way to acclimate him and best use him at this level. And I think they're they're they've obviously changed the approach with his development and what they potentially see of him. Obviously, they hope that he blossoms into an NBA starter uh, but right now they are trying to put him in a position where he can handle the ball more be more of a pick and roll threat rather than playing off the ball and not necessarily to his strength uh, which is when he's off ball obviously shooting and, and attacking uh, so we'll see yeah I don't I don't I don't think he needs G League reps I'm not sure that'll fix a ton but I think if anything the confidence like you said Corey uh, would be the biggest development if he did go down to the G League. From at Kiho Jeff, do you think Bagley will start after getting acclimated to the team? Seems important to see how he fits in getting him as much playing time as possible. Also, are any Pistons likely buyout candidates Joseph Magruder? Uh, I do not think Bagley starts, as uh, I reported in my story following the trade deadline. Currently, Bagley has a qualifying offer of, I think, 14.8 or 14.2 million. Uh, but if he doesn't meet starter criteria, which is 2,000 minutes played or 41 games started, that qualifying offer goes down to 7 million. So I think from a uh, team flexibility standpoint, he is going to come off the bench. And I also just think. He's not going to start over Marvin, or he's not going to start over Jeremy Grant. Um, 
well, I guess we can address it now. A lot of people are asking me if he'll play the five. Bagley is not a five. He's a four. Uh, you do not want him as kind of the anchor of your defense. You do not want him as the the rim protector on your back line. You want him to kind of be the the roamer. Um, you want him to be the, the help side guy, use his athleticism, use his length to, to help off the help on the weak side and, and block shots. Uh, you do not want him to be, or at least right now from what we've seen, you do not want him to be the anchor of your back line. He is a four on defense and a five on offense. So uh, I think he comes off the bench, and, uh, yeah, I just think it makes most most sense for the roster. And you, you just can't – you want to put yourself in the best position if things do go well to re-sign him. And, yeah, that qualifying offer dips significantly if he doesn't reach that criteria. Um, from at Blatty Loves You. Real talk, James. When does this get better? The Pistons are getting run off the court by teams struggling to make the play-in. I want to support the kids, but quite frankly, it's soul-crushing to watch. Um, well, the Pistons are getting run off the court by teams struggling to make the play-in because they're the worst team in basketball currently and one of the youngest and rely a lot on young players, which leads to mistakes and exhaustion and fatigue and everything that comes with experiencing this NBA life for the first, second time. I mean, even the second-year guys, they their rookie season was not this. This is an actual NBA season. This is the grind. This is fans in the arena. This is signing autographs. This is appearances. This is all that stuff. Is This is it. Last year was not that. Um, so I'm, I, I've, I've been asking people, like, how much do you guys need the break? And Without saying it, because they don't want to use it as excuse, you you could tell guys think uh, the All Star break will be of, be of help. Um, when will this get better? I mean, it could be next year. It could be the year after. Uh, it just kind of depends on the situation, what plays out. Like I said, they yes, they have a lot of cap space in 2022, but also the free agency class is not great in 2022. So you probably have a list of one or two legitimate targets and if you can't get either of those you maybe kick the can down the road one more year or you try to see what type of trade is out there to, to bring somebody in um, but in that case likely you'll have to give up on a young guy you really like so yeah I don't I don't I can't tell you an exact date I think within by 2023 this team will I can't tell you it'll be better I, I can't predict the future I can't tell you who's going to be here and how guys are going to grow and develop, but I can tell you that by 2023, this is by at least 2023, um, that this is going to be a team that's going to try to be a playoff team. So yeah, that's, that's really all I can say about that. It's they're struggling because they're not a very good basketball team right now. Uh, and I think that obviously, as we've talked about is a bit by design. The draft is the most important thing. You guys know the best way to add talent uh, to Detroit is through the draft, and it's a tactic that the organization hasn't really used over the last decade until the last few years, and it's paid off. I mean, if you guys really think about it, and I'm sure I've said it on this podcast before, it could be a lot worse than this. The ping pong balls last year could have bounced differently, and Detroit's picking fourth or fifth, or they're picking third with Cade and Mobley off the board. Um, it could be a lot worse. I would say I understand from the fans' perspective how tough it can be day in and day out to, to watch the team. Uh, but I can promise you there it was very 
It's very close to looking a, a little more tough. Like I said, the the ping pong balls worked in Detroit's favor. Um, hitting on so far two of the three first round picks in 2020 um, has worked out in Detroit's favor. It's a lot of luck is really. I know it doesn't feel like it, but there's been a lot of luck in Detroit the last two years. So I know it's hard. You don't want to hear it from me to to say sit back and just buckle up or wait to tune in until you can stomach it and you think the team is actually turning a corner if you have to do that for your own mental health I'm not going to be the one to tell you not to uh, but it is certainly going to be it was always going to be a process and we haven't even really hit the thick of the process yet so what they do in free agency or I should say what they do this summer uh, will dictate a, will tell you a lot about when you can expect this team to try and and get to a different tier um, in the NBA landscape uh, this summer will 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 tell you a lot. Uh, Mac or Wall at Walls Max twenty two. Do you think we spend money this offseason or do we need to hold on to it for twenty twenty three? I kind of touched on it. Good question. Uh, I think it just depends. I think I know. Like I said, Jalen Brunson is somebody that, that I'm hearing that could be of great interest. I think others reported that too. Um, I'd imagine there's one or two other names that are considered prioritized targets, or at least to let's see what happens. Look at DeAndre, DeAndre eight and miles bridges. Pistons have the money to toss at them just to see what happens. If it doesn't work out, that class after that is not very good. And I, again, from my seat as a reporter that has a different eye on the team than a fan does just simply because, I mean, you guys get it. Like, I understand you want fans want their team to win. I get it. So um, I don't mind if they sitting through another rebuild year. Uh, if it means I'm there's a chance I'm covering three top three picks, um, I think, for the health and long-term projection of the franchise, that, that might be a little bit better. Uh, but I also understand why – Somebody was like, I can't do another year of this. So I get both sides. So I, I don't know. It really just depends on what's available. I think the Pistons do try to bring in a notable name or two, uh, but I can't tell you and promise you that it works out. Um, from Detroit underscore Wiso. Hello, Mr. Wiso. Is it more common than I think having a talented player listen as questionable day to day for decent stretches at a time? I feel like every time. I feel it feels like every Kate injury is minor until it isn't. I'm fine with even extreme caution, but I wish they let us know if he'd be out for weeks. Um, I'm assuming, yes, he sent this before Cade made his return against uh, the Hornets. Um, oh, he replied afterwards. Yes, that, that was the case. So I would say when it comes to Cade and his injuries so far, it, it's important to remember. So his first injury was a sprained ankle, and this one is a hip pointer. This isn't a muscle tear, an ACL tear. This isn't a sprained ink. This isn't a um, – it's something that re- – these aren't things that require surgery. So it's really just a tolerance thing. Um, and that's why you see questionable, and that's why you see day-to-day. Kay talked to, talked to us after the game on Friday and was like, there's just some discomfort in certain moves. So if he can tolerate it and it's not going to hinder his play, um, he can go, which he did against Charlotte. If uh, if he can, he's not going to play. So it's it's very much day to day. He's in he's involved. If he he's the only one that can tell people it doesn't feel right, whether that's his ankle or his hip. Um, he's the one that 
he's the one that feels the the, the discomfort that he's the one that feels the pain um so I think that's why you see day to day and questionable because these aren't things that are going to need surgery uh these are things that are in terms of pain tolerance it's it's a pain tolerance pain management so I think that's why you see that <sighs> from Dankum underscore 11. Would you say the Marvin Bagley trade and potential three-year extension will rule out the possibility of Aiton in the offseason and then turn in increased and then in turn increase the likelihood of Miles Bridges? Um, I don't think it rules out the possibility of either. I'm not expecting Marvin to come here and set the world ablaze. Like I think the Pistons will be able to get him at a decent price. The Pistons can find ways to open up more cap space. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't think that it's going to rule out the possibility. Like, I don't think Marvin Bagley directly will rule out the possibility of Aiden and Bridges. I think there's possibly the other things rule out the possibility of Aiden and Bridges, like the Suns doing everything they can to keep their star center, even though, uh, that situation is what it is. And same with Miles Bridges, the, the Hornets have something brewing. Why I could understand why after seeing it for a season that, the Hornets bring back Bridges, especially after the year he's had. So I don't think necessarily Bagley and whatever happens with his future in Detroit directly impacts Aiton and Bridges. I just don't think he's going to get to a number high enough that it dictates uh, or that it alters any type of approach they have with those two, if that's the case. Um, from Jax Gregory, two questions. The Bagley trade seemed to be in the air for a couple months. Why did it take all the way until the last day? Uh, what are the odds Killian gets Jarrett Colvert fourth year option decline? Good questions. First one um, takes two to tango, and as you guys know, the Bagley trade was part of a four team deal. Um, so you, you just never know what other teams are, or even the Pistons fully, are, or what they're working on. Um, at the end of the day, when you get toward the deadline, teams give their final offers, their best deals when they want to get things done, and I think that's why you see a lot of trades happen so late. It's just simply because they want to make sure they're getting the best value for what they're doing. They need to work out the logistics of things. Like it's just it's a it's a value thing. Uh, I would say as somebody who has never been a GM, I would imagine that you wait until the the last second to see if teams bend and give you the, actually the offer that you want, or um, the situation that a player or a team is in is is over. I, you just never know. Like I I think just with time. You have a more clear picture of of what you want and in the direction you're headed. So I think that's a lot of it when it comes to the Bagley trade. Sacramento got to a point where it's like, all right, we want to fet we want to get who else did they get? Did they get Dante in the deal? Hold on, let me look it up. Sorry, I knew it was a four team deal. This is not good podcasting. This is why I decided not to do it on my own. Um, yes, Dante went to the Kings. So. Yeah, you look at that, it's just a lot going on, and you're trying to find the best pieces, the best other teams to, to get you what you want. It's just a, it's a whole process, especially in this case. So I think that's why. You just best value, um, and you have a an absolute final pulse on the situation. And then your second question, what are the odds Killian gets Jarrett Colvard? Uh, it's possible. I mean, I think right now I'd say we're heading that way. But I also, you never know, a guy could come back next year and and show major development. I would say as of right now, if you're asking me that question, I think it's possible. I think it's above 50%. Um, 
if you ask me that a year from now, it could, I could have a different answer for you. So, or even six months from now. So we'll, we'll see, but I definitely think it's, it's something that should be considered or at least thought about. Uh, from at Mudini 31. We just need a lot of talk about the long-term plan with Grant Bagley, draft cap space, free agency targets and the long-term roster. Uh, appreciate the statement. I've wrote, I've written about all that stuff a lot already. We've talked about on this pod a lot. Uh, the long-term plan with Grant is, I don't know if there is one. I think the plan is to see what presents itself in the summer, uh, with Bagley. Uh, I think it's to see how he does during this two month trial run with the draft. I think it depends on where they pick with the cap space. I think it depends on where they pick and who they can realistically get uh, with the free agency targets. Like I said, Jalen Brunson and there's miles bridges. There's Deandre Aiden. outside of that. It's, it's looking grim in the long-term roster. I think again, that a lot of that is dictated on where they draft this year. Um, what they do with grant. I just, it's so early and I know it doesn't feel like it. it's so early in the rebuild guys that uh, it's hard to, to flesh out a full fledged plan. I think as I've, I wrote, when Troy and them took over 2022, 2023 was going to be the, the most pivotal years of this. This is when you were going to see either a corner turned or in the case of 2022, a corner turned or the can't kick to 2023 when there's a, a ton of free agents and um, fans are getting closer. I know it doesn't feel like it, but it's 2022 season's almost over. You never know what could happen this summer, but even then I, I just say one more, one more season at the most, and I'm not even promising you that happens, but there's a, I would say by the end of 2023, you will have the clarity that you're looking for without question as to where the organization is headed. It could be sooner. I wouldn't say, I, I would, I confidently would say it's not going to be later, but it could be sooner. Um, it's just, again, they're building through the draft and they got Cade. They stumbled into the number one pick. There are. It is very hard for a team that is deciding to rebuild to um, to land the number one pick in their second year. So it's. I know I keep saying it. It's but it's it's going to be a process, and the process is it's 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 past getting started, but it's it's just getting to stage one and two. It's rolling a little bit. Uh, next question from at Red Alternates. Why does it seem like there's a disconnect in the front office regarding decision making? Obviously, nobody's always going to be on the same page, but I get eight, too many cooks in the kitchen vibe from the Pistons. Uh, I don't know where the disconnect. Where I don't know why people are saying there is a disconnect. Um, if it's from that report that Troy didn't want to trade Jeremy, but Arn was willing to, I think that just comes down to. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? I, I don't think that Troy is opposed to trading Jeremy. I think it's more so are you, I have a price, are you going to meet it? And nobody met it during the deadline. He's in no rush to trade him. I don't, Tr- Troy is, Troy is running the show. He has obviously input from others, including uh, George David, his assistant general manager from Arntellum, from Ed Stefanski. You look at a lot of front offices across the league, like there's people that give advice. Troy gave advice to Sam Presti 
Um, that's that's pretty common practice. There are usually uh, a GM usually leans on a lot of people. There's yeah, the Pistons have have guys in their front off Josh Barlstein, guys who have input, guys who put in the homework to when it comes to the draft, when it comes to scouring the league for prospects. Um, it's pretty pretty common for for teams to have uh, multiple people who I wouldn't say have input, but have an influence on on what is going to happen. But at the end of the day, it's Troy's call. That's why he was brought in. Um, yes, there is collaboration leading up to the decisions, but the final decision is is on Troy before it's it's taken to the owner and approved or or whatnot. Um, from at the underscore Mayo underscore Muslim, uh, what do you think of running Bagley at the five and utilizing his post scoring? Um, I talked about it a little bit. I think offensively, yes, Bagley is more of a five. I think defensively, y- you need to have another big with him. He's not a – you don't want him anchoring your back line from, just from what we've seen so far in his career. Um, all right, I'm trying to find something – uh, from at 2004 ever underscore should Casey consider an offense heavy set of starters to get over these slow starts Cade Frank Bay Jeremy Kelly um I would say as good as Frank has been at parts throughout the year I think whenever he starts it you're not really utilizing the best of Frank he's anytime he started he struggled and Kelly has not like I know Kelly, the idea of Kelly is an offensive player, but Kelly just has struggled this season. He he has not shot the ball well since coming back from COVID and the injury. And he, I mean, to be fair, he really didn't shoot the ball uh, to Kelly's standards before the injury. So um, I get the idea. I get what you're saying for sure. I just don't know if that's the best course of action. And I also think like I don't know if this lineup is able to score enough to have that little of defense on the floor. Uh, yeah, maybe they can score some more points, but man, they're going to give up a lot of points too. Uh, at discomfort underscore, have you gotten the sense that Cade is a draw for players in free agency yet? Uh, no, it's a little too soon for that, but I would say he, I see him after games talking with a lot, a lot of the league's top players. So there's a relationship there. There's a respect there. Um, that can't hurt, but I, I would say I, I don't think anybody's in the position to. I'm sure there are players who think he's nice, as I've like KD's come out and said it, Bradley Beal's come out and said it, um, players who know he's nice, but I don't, I don't know if he's a draw yet. I think it's way too soon to tell. Um, all right, let's do five more. Um, let's see. All right. Gosh, there are so many. Okay. From Giggity Gantz, a lot of people are thinking Casey will be fired next season. Can you discuss your opinion on that and how his development of the young guys goes unnoticed? Um, Yeah, I'm not sure why. Like, I'd be surprised if Casey is not the head coach to start next year. Uh, I understand people may have whatever your your qualm is, whether you don't like X, Y, and Z that he does uh, for whatever reason that you think he should be gone. At the end of the day, it's almost like 
it, people talk about the roster. Well, there's we need this to be around K to maximize his development. We need this around K to maximize his development, or th- we need this around Killian X Y Z. To be fair, like Dwayne has not had good rosters since he's been here. Um, I know you guys don't want to. Uh, there's people that don't want to hear that. They, there are people that just want him gone. Um, they made the playoffs when Blake was here and they were pushing for the playoffs. They made it next year. There were injuries. Uh, it was a scuttlebutt of a roster. And then since then they've been rebuilding. So like I said, I, if you have a beef with X, Y, and Z that he does, that's a, that's your right to have that beef. Um, but I would also say the rosters have not been friendly, conducive to a, any coach who would try who's, who is being asked to win. Um, I think the front office knows that. I think ownership knows that. There's a reason he got an extension. He didn't come here to rebuild. Uh, but once that direction kind of showed itself, he was on board and has uh, been one of the primary uh, – he's, he's stomped the table and, and – not stomped the table, but pounded the table saying it needs to happen. And um, it's for the health of the organization going forward. So, yeah, I, I just think it's just so – To me, like you can say, like I said, you can say what you want. First and foremost, just the rosters have not been conducive to playoff teams or honestly play-in teams right now. It's that's just not where they are as an organization in this stage. Um, And how is the development of the young guys going? Noticed. I know people might look at blowouts and think that guys aren't playing hard. I don't think a lot of the Pistons' issues this season is lack of playing hard. I think it's maybe lack of focus and lack of uh, just normal young guy stuff and roster deficiencies, but I do think guys play hard for Casey. Um, I think they like Casey. Um, I think they go to war for him. So, I mean, that helps. I think having, um, having a a coach you like and want to play for, even when things are tough is very important. And I also think he's a guy who puts a lot into player development. They have a coach, John Beeline, who focuses on player development. He brought him in. They have numerous player development coaches. They, they get in, they have session, night sessions, they have morning sessions. There's a lot of times behind the scenes that guys get in work, and, and that's on the back of Casey who put that program together. Uh, from Hope for Once, do you think the athleticism deficit is as glaring as I do, or am I just being weird? No, it is definitely a glaring thing, and I would say uh, they, they are absent of an athletic player who has a combination of – so, like, for example, I don't know how to say it, but I'll use this as an example to, to kind of clarify it. Like, yes, Hamadou Diallo is athletic as all hell, but he can't shoot. And Frank Jackson, athletic, but he's 6'3". Um, they don't have, like, if you could combine Frank and Hami, I mean, that's a, I mean, <laughs> that's the ideal player that the Pistons are missing. I mean, any player, any team in the NBA would want a guy like that. But, yeah, like, their athletic guys are missing something. Um and I mean, yeah, the front court is kind of lacking pure athleticism. Even the back court is. Uh, no, it's certainly, certainly no, it's certainly glaring. Um, all right, let's do two more. With the team struggling and out of the running for the playoffs, what is the strategy and goal for the remainder of the season? From Regicide, Greg. Uh, the strategy and goal for the remainder of the season is what it is the same as what it was to start the season. Uh, Develop the players, continue to see improvements from the young guys, try to see who is worthwhile when the team's ready to turn the corner, 
finding out roles for certain guys. Like I said a couple years ago, the the playoffs were not something they were gunning for uh, this year. Um, I'd I'd imagine this this question was based on the idea that you wanted them to make the playoffs, so I understand that. But that was never really in the plan, and the strategy and goal remains. Favorite Pistons game I ever watched in person from at Too Lazy for a cool name. Uh, I would say the most hype. My favorite Pistons game I've watched. I mean, from a covering perspective, probably Blake's fifty in OT against uh, Philly. That was shocking. It was just shocking. Uh, very hype. It was a. Uh, that was my favorite home game to cover. My favorite road game was Casey's return to Toronto. Game winner by Reggie Bullock. Packed house. Obviously, Toronto fans um, had a great appreciation for Dwayne. It's a rocking crowd, and just to, they were up seventeen. The Raptors were, and then just to hear the silence at the end was it was it was definitely something interesting. I had never really experienced because I, I haven't covered a major. I mean, I haven't. I've covered one playoff series in my five years doing this. Haven't covered a playoff win, obviously, as you guys know. So you don't. You're not really in kind of intense situations like that very often throughout the course of a season, but that one was one of them. So it was just the dichotomy of the Raptors fans being very loud and uh, in, in loud and, and confident when they were up 17, and then just you could hear a needle drop uh, when Reggie Bullock hit the game winner, and it was just to be to see that the crowd's reaction to that was was I mean it was cool as somebody as a neutral observer. Um. From P-Dub358, who do you think the Pistons will use their open roster spot for? Uh, They're likely going to get a young player, whether through the G League, um, uh, free agency, if the young guy gets bought out. I think they're going to use that open roster spot on the young guy. All right, let's do one more. Um, From at M Waxy one two three. What's your favorite story time with James story that you haven't told yet? Huh. I don't know if there's one that I haven't told yet that I'm able to tell. Good question. I will ne- next week's pod. I'll I'll think on it for a week and I'll have a good story time with James next week. Maybe I'll get one on the road this week. There's DC and Boston. Maybe I'll try to. I'll try to to get a good one for you. Uh, what do you think of inserting Bagley in the starting lineup instead of Kojo? Uh, I don't. That isn't apples to apples. Um, uh, all right. I think let's end it. Oh, all right. Let's. Why did they do Josh Jackson like this? Serious question. Um, I don't. It stinks. I don't. It's not the Pistons' fault that Josh Jackson's birthday is the same day as the trade deadline. Uh, they're definitely unfortunate, but I, Josh celebrated his birthday in Michigan, in Detroit. I think I know he celebrated it in Michigan. He was with family and friends. Uh, just the next day, he had to get on a plane. Um. Yeah, let's end it there. I appreciate you guys. All these questions, and I didn't even get to half of them. There was a ton. Um, again, as always, appreciate your guys' support. I hope this was helpful. I hope it wasn't painful to get through me just blabbering, uh, for 48 minutes and no change in voice. You didn't get to hear Nick's high pitched voice. 
Uh, hopefully this was listenable and enjoyable and insightful. Uh, we'll be back next week during the All-Star break with me and Nick. Um, I'm assuming he'll be back. So, yes, thank you guys for listening. Make sure you check out The Athletic. Uh, make sure you subscribe uh, to the stories. If like Again, as I said at the top of the show, you can get the podcast on The Athletic app now. Um, want to give a shout-out to uh, Laz and Ben Golker for having me on the Detroit Bad Boys podcast. Uh, that's another great Pistons podcast you should check out aside from this one. Um, and I'm also going to be on with Motor City Hoops, who has another great podcast. Um, yeah, if you're – if you're looking, we're trying to spread love in the community. So um, those two podcasts are the best uh, other ones outside of us, of course. But check those guys out if you haven't. So I uh, appreciate your guys' support. Thank you again for listening. And see you next week. Mm-hmm.